Welcome, and thank you for joining the Unbiased Label Podcast, where we believe labels belong on clothes, not people. I'm your host, Zara Karutz. On this podcast, we have real talk focused on all things fashion and culture from a critical global perspective at the intersection of industry and academia. I have to say I've been feeling sad all week with the unexpected passing of Virgil Abloh. In times like these, finding inspiration can be difficult, and maybe we aren't supposed to always feel inspired. A loss requires grief, and even though I didn't know Virgil personally, I knew him through his work, which had an impact not only on me, but the world that we lived in. He was a cultural zeitgeist. In an attempt to dig myself out of this negative state of being, I looked at my archives and found a gem of a conversation that I had recorded over the summertime that I completely forgot about. This episode is that unedited talk with my friend and life guru, Mulkul Bhatia. This is a raw and authentic talk. It feels honest. You'll hear my puppy Bijou barking in the background. The talk is in long format. I literally hit the record button and just started talking to my friend. I talk with Mulekul from Bali about all the important life topics that intersect a post-pandemic world, including sustainability, fashion, consumerism, society, trauma, relationships, life, love, and personal growth. If you're a deep person and you like to self-reflect, then this episode is for you. Pour yourself a nice hot cup of tea or a bubbly cocktail and just reflect. Being thankful for the journey of life and the future that life brings us. In addition to being somebody I consider a friend, Mulekul is an award-winning visual artist from India who's based in Bali. His work is focused on sustainability, travel, and fashion. Mulekul has been featured in Forbes, The New York Times, GQ. He has a couple of TEDx talks and is also winner of Cosmopolitan India's 2020 Blogger Award for Sustainable Fashion Influencer of the Year. This is Mulekul's second episode of Unbiased Label, so please make sure to check out his other episode on season one, where we talk more about sustainability and fashion. Saying all of that, this episode is dedicated to the legacy of Virgil Abloh, who sadly passed away this week at the young age of 41. Virgil was a prolific zeitgeist cultural communicator who forever left his footprint on this world. His visionary work intersected so many spaces, including art, media, fashion, design, music. He didn't prescribe to boxes, labels, or limits but rather lived in a creative space with freedom of thought that birthed a new cultural code rooted in acceptance, kindness, and inclusivity. Virgil for sure left a legacy, his legacy, built by a superhuman work ethic, filled with risk, failure, success, collaboration, 
accessibility, conviction, criticism, friendship, love, passion, vision, and clarity for a better world, a future world as he saw it. He opened doors and paved the way for future generations because Virgil believed that his voice as a black man needed to be heard. I had the privilege to hear Virgil speak during the 2018 Vogue Paris Fashion Festival. And from my notes from his talk, a few of the highlighted talking points included ideas of organic, authentic transparency. He said, show who you are. It's harder and it takes more time to be transparent, but transparency allows for people to make a connection created dialogue. He emphasized the importance of meeting people halfway. There were so many prolific insights that Virgil shared in that talk. And this was during the time when he took over as the head creative designer for Louis Vuitton menswear. Virgil said that emotional connection, that's the true new luxury. Thank you for dedicating your life to being a cultural change maker, Virgil Abloh. The world so desperately needed you. May you rest in peace. Now on to the conversation. Do enjoy. Zara? Mokyo. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, my friend? I'm great. What's up? Been a long while and your podcast is so successful. I see like so many people sharing in. That's amazing. Yeah. You've done a lot in very less time. That's that's incredible. I'm just working my behind off, you know, Mokyo, and I'm very grateful. I have great people. <laughs> I have great people, like great conversations with great people. So I think I you're think... not taking the compliment. You should know how to take the compliment because it's truly, you curated it really well. And I really, really, um, I, I, I have been listening. I listened to like four different podcasts and I think that every curation was so unique and different. And you have to take that compliment because I actually mean you. it. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. No, I'll own cool. it. And you know what? It's so crazy. It's, um, I'm glad we're, we're recording because Every with you, every conversation should be recorded because you never know what <laughs> level of genius is going to come out at the right time. So even if there's nothing like even if this doesn't get aired, like I, I'm glad that we're on the record because with you, I never know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm totally, totally OK and awesome. And it's just like <gasps> I wasn't I was like, maybe be having a call. And it's like it's a recording. I was like, what? And I was like, why not? You know, let's why do not? It. I know. It's so funny because, I, so season one, it was a wrap and it was, I'll tell you what, like it was such a journey and recording for 25 episodes and producing content for basically half a year without any interruption was a success in and of itself. 
Mm-hmm. And then now that I've been going back and I've been re-listening and I like I just listened to yours today and I was like, oh my gosh, was what, what was I, I, I think I was depressed when I talked to you because I was so melancholy and I, I sounded dead. I'm like, this is crazy. But, you know, when you're producing content week ah! after week, you can't base your emotions and your feelings. You have to keep going. And yeah. then I re-edited your entire thing because I, I'm like, that was my skill level at the time, episode 13. But, you know. 13 more episodes later, I went back and redid it. So I'm really proud of it again, which is great. So, you know, what are you, you know, going to do? Thing. I, I that David, there was like a format. Like I, I, I did not know. And I was like, maybe there was a format. And I was like, maybe I'm too casual and I'm supposed to be a little more serious. And I'm like, mm. no, <laughs> this... like, okay. <laughs> There's no format. It's it's real. It's just real talk, you know. And I think in the beginning of starting a podcast, I wanted to be professional because there's so many. I think I erred on this side of leaving my uh, personality out or my opinions because mm-hmm. I wanted to keep it. I wanted to keep the spotlight on the guest, but I wanted to make sure I had a professional product. There's so many podcasts out there that I really can't stand. I mean, if I'm honest. Mm, for sure yeah yeah same here i mean i'm definitely learning from you from mine so you're starting one this is what's happening for you what's going on what's happening okay it's not going to be as ambitious as yours with like 25 like that's just like how the hell did you do it it's going to be just eight episodes and it's going to be about hospitality i have a collaborator and we were working out some new dimensions and ways and new ways to basically activate conversations that need to be talked about so i'm working with banyan tree it's an asian hospitality chain and uh, um i'm basically uh been associated with them for the last 10 years and then the i was sitting with the vice president of branding and then she was like she we wanted to innovate something which was new but at the same time have a sense of community and not in a very pretentious way but more like you know just just activate the conversation get things rolling and just see how it kind of like connects the dots so no big agenda but definitely like stimulating conversations that truly truly talk about the post covid world the hospitality the slow fashion and you know like how can we really genuinely make things better without really just like branding it to be better so yeah, that's literally what it is, and like eight visionaries and interview series and yeah, stuff like that. I literally just signed the deal like this evening, so it's just like very fresh. <laughs> I'm like, well, congratulations! Yay. Thank you. That's major. I mean, th- that's wonderful, and you know, you're all about content creation. So this is just another level or layer to that, you know. Yeah, I think so. I think that just the also the post the corona just like just this whole time has been so much like I've been thinking so much about what I'm doing and I'm posting so much less because I'm like there's so much noise on internet. I know. And there's so little narrative. <laughs> And I want to focus on the narrative and not the noise. And once in a while, when I get like stuff on my Instagram, it's just like, dude, I just don't come on Instagram, but I come for you. And some guy wrote me that how he was going through this terrible time because his mother was in hospital and then he read something. And then I was like, okay, you know what? That's my purpose. Even if I'm depressed, I need to just get up there and write and do it however I'm feeling and be real. So yeah. I, you, you think about the documentation. I, it's funny because I go, you're right. I went back to your episode and I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, I don't remember what was happening, but I clearly was depressed because I, there was, I, I've been disconnected from myself. It's been a really 
hard time on everyone, not just me, but life. I mean, if we're, if we're lucky enough to have life after living through a pandemic, we have to heal and recover. I mean, we are in recovery mode. Like a hundred percent. I think that there's just so much stuff that was there with us, even not just in the Corona COVID recovery mode. Cause like, I'm just saying that even like all my life, I'm a recovery mode right now. <laughs> I've never been more guilt-free about like taking my time to read a book. I'm reading a book a day. I am doing stuff that I wanted to do. I actually got the Delta variant. It's you not did? nice. It's not nice, Zara. Oh. You don't, you, you want to make sure you don't get it. <laughs> like it happened when there was no Corona. So I didn't even know that there was like anything. And it's just like Indonesia became the hotspot in no time. And I, I was one of those people who was just like, this is definitely there but it's like a political bio war like if they want it to be in india it'll be in india now and then it reached like bali which is like the smallest of island it's not in indonesia but right. in bali out of the most and then just like we got it and it was so bad it was so not what they tell you on internet how it was and it's just like it was really hitting rock bottom hard we thought we won't make it emotionally especially like it, it's oh not good God. Yeah, but like, yeah, it really realigns your values to your purpose and you don't want to waste your time and just like do stuff yeah. that really fulfills your soul. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that you're okay. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I, we're, that's the other thing. It's like we're living in fear. You know, I you talk to people and we're all stressed out. We're all emotionally in a roller coaster and no one really feels safe because we don't know what safe is anymore. We're not even we, there's nothing to fall back on. And I really relate to what you say, because I, I say to myself, well, it's been a hard, it's been hard. I'm like, well, it was hard before that too. And the time before that was hard. It's always been hard. I, I think the path and the pursuance of who you are is just not an easy road. And that's why people don't necessarily do it. That's why they stick to social norms and the boxes and they, stay in their own, you know, microcosm of a self-prescribed world, but it's not easy. But would I change it? I don't think I would. What's the alternative? Um, I honestly, like, I think I felt guilty of almost everything before. And I must be very, very open about it. Like working in the sustainability industry. And of course, you're also part of it. I feel like we don't just have to subscribe to the industry trends in terms of how we look, who we are. We also have to kind of see for ourselves as to we're not harming the planet the way, but like even breathing is harming the planet. <laughs> just like really just like I had this time and I was just like, I'm not doing enough. And I'm like, I was in this negative spiral of like so many things happening on internet. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, you know, where do I stand? Like, what am I doing with my privilege? And like, you know, these questions are kind of like over and over repeated on internet and you read them and there are like certain triggers that you have built up emotionally in your personal life too. And it's just like internet thrives on triggers. Like that's that's the game, uh, especially like social media. It's just like it thrives on triggers. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just I'm like... Curious. I I'm really curious, Mokul, because I think you bring up a really interesting point. Your lane of you, your work, everything that you do is tied to sustainability even your award that you received with cosmopolitan india's 2020 influencer uh, fashion influencer blogger of the year award that's sustainable everything that you do has a sustainability to it even your curated closets of your fabrics and all, your whole life is a curated sustainable life 
in some way or another, it's connected to this umbilical cord of sustainability. And I think it's really interesting because, and this may not be what you're talking about, but in my Western world perspective, where everything is now sustainable and sustainable this, and it's, it's become this tokenized term. And when you look at the UN description of what sustainability really, really is, it's a ambiguous term that talks about getting to a place. It's not really identified. It's because it's so, I think, foreign coming from an industrialized world where uh, sustainability as a concept, when it first came into this social discovery back in the 90s was considered completely off grid. Like, what are you talking about? So I'm really curious, I'm rambling, but my point is, I'm curious how you, from an authentic standpoint, really identify with sustainability, what that really means and how that perspective of lifestyle can influence the Western world where for us, it's such a foreign concept. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I feel like I feel like I don't know, though, like when in terms of like saying if I'm the Eastern or the Western, I feel like I'm somewhere in between considering my exposure has been this like massive. So also like India is just like so not like the East as they show in the West. So it's kind of like I'm kind of like an Americanized version, but definitely my roots are Indian. My mother's Aboriginal. Um, and it's just like it's interesting you bring that up. And it's a great question. But it's just like for me, sustainability will as an industry was an accident. Like I told you, I was a war journalist before and then someone from Singapore basically contacted me to work on this assignment on fashion and I was offended. I was like, hey, I'm a war fashion, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then she was just like, okay, you know, this is the money a month, just come with me. You just have a document. There would be no model, I promise you. And I was like, okay, I'm coming. So we came and we basically documented artisans in the corner most parts of the country, the most like far away places that I didn't even know were on a map. I don't even think they're on Google Maps. So it's like, wow, I'm there and they're making this beautiful indigo out of like you know seven generation artisans and it's like this was back in 2011 12 and like there's no such thing called sustainability yeah. as like the it word so it's like this was cool and i feel like i was like this is my calling and i'm gonna do it and now i'm like uh i'm if people call me sustainability activist or influencer i kind of shrug away i got an award for it but it's like uh no <laughs> you know it's like one i don't relate myself to be an influencer two I, even the activism space is so overcrowded by just you know like like i'd rather be some kind of like an underground hacker than be like this supermodel of sustainability who's perfectly perfect in talking but at the same time is guilty inside because they just don't think they're good enough i want to do my bit i know Sorry? that's not sustainability i mean that's the whole point sustainability exactly. isn't this shiny repackaged marketing tool that exactly. makes you feel good like that life is messy there's no perfection and to be authentic requires the good and the bad in the same space Oh, sure. And it's like, I feel like, you know, like, um, just being in America and like seeing the other side of the world and like, just seeing like different ways. I'm just realizing so many things of like sustainability being packaged as a product. It's so, it's so funny because it's like my mother would just like, 
um like she'll buy like a like let's say a like a bottle of wine or whatever but like she will refill that as a water bottle and that's mm-hmm. not tacky that's not like abnormal and that's been there since forever so this is something i've grown up with it's like we don't waste food like if i would waste like one spoon of my curry i would be looked at and frowned by my siblings and then i see america where people are just like i don't like this ketchup and they just like throw it <laughs> off and i'm like that's not okay <laughs> i know, so, I know. So it's like, yeah. It's interesting because those practices, you know, I come from, my parents are first generation American. So I come from Eastern Europe, um, from the Russian, Belarusian area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from my grandparents to that, the practices were adopted to my parents where nothing was at waste, to your point. You know, if you had a, let's just use a sock, for example, you would take your sock, if it got a hole, you'd fix the hole. And then when it got run down enough where you really didn't want to wear it anymore because the sock was too old, you would take your old sock and it would become your dusting, you know, tool where you would dust the house yeah, with your same, old same. socks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now that concept, I mean, I grew up in this. This was very normal. It's, that's not even like what? The throwawayness of everything where if it's not perceived as perfect or there's no thinking of repurposing or even in relationships. If it's not what I think I want and you don't check my box, I'm throwing you away. And there's this instantaneousness of life where fill me now and it's not real. And it seems like it's what I want it to be. And it's almost this ease of just give it to me now. I want it. And that's good enough. hundred percent like the whole culture of instant gratification that comes from a space of like there's also a sense of like we can you know and this was especially marketed in the 2000s early 2000 we can so that was like a very western thing that if we can then we must because you know why not it's 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 like the whole terminology of privilege and like the guilt being given as if privilege every kind of privilege is bad i don't i don't agree to that so it's like you know this whole like everything and and everything is a result of that. I feel like consumers have been so um, uh, like, wow, what do we do? Like, we just want to fit in, you know, <laughs> like know. whatever we're doing. If in the 2000s, we were told consume more because you're awesome if you do that. And now they're like consume less. So people are just confused. And it's like, this is definitely the big corporations playing with this part. And it's just like, I think the matrix is so out there in the United States. That's what I saw in New York City. Is just like some things that could be simple common sense. Like in India, we don't trust the government, period. Like no one trusts the government. But when I was there, it was just like, oh, that's wrong. Because, like, you know, that's what's happening to the taxpayer's money. And I was like, dude, he escaped the matrix. Congratulate him, you know? But, yeah. like, um, like, there's a whole culture of underground. I feel like you live in London. So I feel like London also has that sense of, like, you know, like, live. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't been to London. I just have a few friends. So it's like, I don't know. But it's like, um, yeah, I just don't know. It's just like, I think that people really, really, really... Um, I think just the trends and the keywords and the hashtags, everything just defines people and human character at the moment. And that's a very scary state. And I think that sustainability is a big part of it right now, which means that sustainability is kind of colonized, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's probably why I don't talk much about it because it's like, what's the point? Like I'd rather just like do things and show them rather than use those words. Well, it goes back to labels, you know, putting labels on what are you like? And that's why the, the tagline, it sounds corny, but it's unbiased label because labels belong on clothes on how you should take care of an item, not people. And 
it's I don't know why it's small minded, but we and I do it myself. It goes back to that Foucault notion of power and how we see things in the the false social norms of society tells us what is. So we adopt it to be true and we judge ourselves and we judge other people. And that becomes our operating system of how we how we live through this world. And it's pervasive. And it, none of it's real. That's the whole part. It's like, I'm judging myself. I, I, you know, we talked about this, like journaling. I started journaling a year ago. And I realized how I spoke to myself. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Horrible, mm-hmm. horrible. I'm like, I wouldn't even talk to, I, mean, I, I do say what's on my mind. So I have been known to tell people what I think. But I mean, literally, I'm thinking, if no wonder why I'm struggling, because it's all about I'm not good enough or I'm too fat. I'm not pretty. I'm, I shouldn't be doing this. Or it's all this self-talk of I'm not enough. And I started like really working on that because that there was a disconnect. I'm like, who am I not enough for? Who? A stranger that I don't know? I'm not enough because you're better than me because of what reason? Or what? what where are these judgments? It's these false judgments that really, I think, are devastating. And the world is not used to kindness and love and support. It's a really destructive world we live in right now. I mean, I- I've never seen anything like it. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I mean, let's get real. This is World War Three on. Like, we are right now navigating through World War Three, And there are definitely people who are much worse and much more sinking in it than... Probably we are. And it doesn't make our trauma less or someone's more, but definitely yeah. there is this sense of, um, sorry, what you saying? Well, I was just going to say, I know in comparison to what's happening in parts of the world, like Afghanistan, yeah. where people are devastatingly losing their lives, it's a privilege to talk about, I, I want to say Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where we can talk about the quality of our internal dialogue. I just want but, to preface that. Yeah. yeah, but Zara, like, let's get real. Like, trauma is trauma, nevertheless. Like, like how you mentioned about, like, your trauma of, like, your self-sabotaging self-voice, which is always kind of, like, bringing yourself down for an external sense of validation, or even you calling your uh, unbiased label uh, corny or cheesy. And I'm like, this is a genius name, so <laughs> don't be so humble, Zara. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that these are patterns. These are patterns that we've built all of our lives. I think the only thing that the world really needs is to not be the world and be a human alone first and be in the room empty, lock yourself in and figure out your stuff before you get out. I feel like we're always in a chain of looking for distraction and like not many people get to be alone in their rooms and figure out their stuff, cry your heart out, journal, scribble, do everything. Just get it out there and let yourself be for a sec, you know, like not really allowing your mind to tell you, but allowing your being, your being your, the stuff you were born with, you know, the stuff that's been passed on to you since generations, you know, mm-hmm. let that be for a sec, you know, and then see what happens. No, it's totally right. You know, when you make that conscious effort, and that's one of the things when you can't, you know, leave the house because of lockdown, you're forced to either completely distract yourself or you just take a hard look. And, you know, for me, I, I, I've taken that opportunity to kind of work through things. It, it takes time. It, it's a, it's a journey. It's a progression and it's not easy. It, even in life for me, I, I've I thought, okay, I've worked through that, you know, this generational trauma, I've worked through it. it I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. I've, yes, I've leveled up. 
And then I've realized, oh my goodness, no, there's still something there and leaning into that and exploring pain or exploring your true desires, uh, really coming to terms with who you are and facing yourself and, and acknowledging yourself with embrace. It's, it's difficult, but it's essential in the sense that moving forward on this journey, uh, it's the be- it's to me, the only thing that really matters. Nothing else matters. If I, I always say, if I lose everything today, I have found me or I'm working on me. I'm discovering me. And that allows me to discover other people with openness. Not that it's always easy because we're all humans and all dealing with our stuff, but it allows for a deeper connection that is so rich. It's so rich. So, yeah, you know, I want to ask you, you did that whole, and I haven't watched it lately, but I've watched it a few times your TEDx talk mm-hmm. and your whole, your whole, um, and how long was this ago now? When did you do this? And tell me like how, where this philosophy of self-love came from? Cause this is really what it is. Right. Um, I did two TED talks actually in India and that was, one was just before leaving for Bali when I got stuck in the pandemic, which I'm still <laughs> stuck in. I'm happily stuck here. And then another one was, I think it was a 2000, 19 if i remember and it was in uh, mumbai um, and it was yeah it was about self-love the first one and it's definitely something that has been a very important um part of let's say my philosophy of sustainability as well and um, it's not an it word it's not something which is completely like um, off wire on the internet and it's just like i do not want to make it academic i want to make it as authentic and as real and as imperfect as every single human on this planet so i don't want to be a corporation and i want to love myself for what i am and i want to keep improving myself and living in the most harmless way possible that's the most concise way of defining but i was actually talking about my trips to nepal where i've been living in a monastery i've been talking about my global travels i've been talking about how i've been able to channelize all my grief and i've had a very like hard life um my childhood wasn't like you know, it was not smooth, I would say. Like, it was it was definitely, like, very topsy-turvy. And I was just like, I had a dream of making my life the most harmlessly happy way possible. And it was at a very young age. Um, and I, 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 I did work on that dream. And I did realize it. And uh, they were obstacles. Uh, they were, like, those hurdles. But maybe I watched a lot of Forrest Gump as a child. But, like, <laughs> I did grow better every single time something hit me i i channelized my pain into poetry and it happened in this time and in, in, when i had the delta i really thought i won't make it like it was so bad it was just like so synthesized i've never had felt something like that it was an emotional it was a messy emotional situation it wasn't just just because that's what the world is going through it was something seriously damaging um and then I was just like, what if I make it? Like the question of what if in the positive light, that is the right. question. What if you make it? What are you going to change? And there were things I wrote. And I look at them and I'm did like, wow. Like, wait, did you think you're going to die? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. It's like, so the whole thing with this Delta thing is that I don't have any like, luckily I don't have any internal symptoms that got aggravated, but it's just like when you're in it, it just, you kind of lose out your dopamine and oxytocin so much that you're kind of like, you're basically a sloth you're just like vegetating and you don't even know if you're like like your mind is there but you can't think because you have no like sense of power of your mind to think so it's kind of like you don't even feel pain it's just like you don't feel anything 
So it's like you don't know what's happening to you. And at times it is like um, there's like a cognitive loss, like you kind of have a memory loss. It is just like you don't know how long that lasts. Like luckily there was just a week. But that one week, I didn't know if it's a permanent state because it felt like a permanent state. And yeah, it was just like that scary feeling of like the impulsive moods and the switches and that like that sense of like near death experience or the kind. And I was like, dude, I really need to make some changes in my life. I've given too many Fs to like do many random things that I don't need, really care about, yeah. you know. And I need to take my life back in my hand. And like, no matter what internet says, no matter what hashtag says, no matter what my mom says, I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Did um, you have other physical symptoms? Like, how did you know that you got the Delta? So I have a wisdom tooth and I got really bad. And I was like, okay, you know, and there was no Corona at that point. So I went to the dentist and he's just like, uh, do you want to check your Corona? And I was like, there's no Corona on the island. And then he was like, there possibly is. And it's bad. And he was in his PPE kit suit and it was very hectic, very visual, very like, whoa. And I had it. So I kind of like, you know, I was on bed. It didn't feel anything at all. And then it got like wisdom teeth, tooth pain got really bad. I couldn't swallow. But then it was the emotional ups and downs. Like it was just like, it was really bad emotionally. So, and it's not just like a normal fever emotionally. Like I've never yeah. felt something like that emotionally. It's like a bad trip, like a really bad acid trip for like a week and a half. But you know, so. people don't talk about emotions. It's, I don't know why emotions are so taboo i, I mean it, it, uh, do, do you feel that way too or is that just me because I, i've been dealing with my emotions my whole life i feel like there are definitely good things are never out there in the open so i don't think the world is like this or like i feel like there definitely is a rare like it's not available out there that's why the therapist and the you know the whole industry of therapy is you know thriving but um it's definitely there i feel like there are definitely other ways other mediums other countries where there are definite ways by which you can exchange uh words especially with strangers like they have nothing to lose and i definitely think so that there is a very rare component of emotion sharing but i feel like it's a lot more in the west than it is in the east because in the west i feel like I feel like everything is kind of like machinic is respected in the West and it has yeah. worked so far for them. So it's like, wow, you know, like we are machines and it's like, and you lose and you become, that's what I was saying in US, it was just like a matrix. It's like people didn't know, like the sense of like, especially New York City, it's just like everybody just has to do everything right. And if one thing they do wrong, their life is messed. And that is not normal. That is very synthesized. I know. I know. So... I mean, yeah, and I come from where I come from is like everything is chaos. Like I don't like it, I miss chaos sometimes when I'm in Bali, and I was like, dude, I really miss some chaos, you know? <laughs> because it, it, I've known that all my life, and it's just like everyone is born in a certain space and they navigate how to survive and thrive in it. I think I was born in chaos, and it's just like I know how to make sense with it and I have to be creative with it. So I feel like emotions and emotional chaos is inevitable. Everyone has a chaos of emotion. Everybody wants to share and everybody wants to receive too. But I feel like trust is the harder part. People don't oh. trust each other. Emotions yeah, okay, are talk, okay. about, talk about trust, my guru friend. I think it's so <laughs> important. Yeah. That should be my new job, be a guru. 
um, <laughs> um, trust is like everything. That's the foundation of love and friendship. And like, I think that if I trust you, I love you. It's simple as that. And I try so hard to be vulnerable to literally everyone. Because like, I think I have done my inner work in a way that I'm like, even if they just like say this or do this behind me, I know myself. So it's like, yeah. if you say that sense of affirmation in the morning, you kind of go out and like, look for your tribe, you know, and you can tell, like, you can tell by fashion. Like, I still believe in the old school fashion, which you wear your personality. Like people pick clothes based on how they feel, I think. You know, yeah. like if you want to look artsy, you look that way. If you want to look this way. So how we present ourselves is definitely something that we truly believe or truly aspire to be. And then you navigate from there and then you talk more and then you ask really good questions, which I think is very easy for you to ask very good questions. So, yeah, you ask hyper personal questions with people and they either leave the table or they become best friends. Yeah, it's true. And, and I'm curious to get your perspective on um a, a romantic relationships when choosing a partner because i think that you're right i think that finding your tribe and filling your universe with people that you genuinely love accept and understand and get each other is important but i think when you are finding your partner it's there's a different dynamic that you have it's a pressure almost that you have to deal with because it's not just a friend it's not just somebody that's in your life which is just as important really but it's a different there's a different spin on that so what are your thoughts on that um for me personally i think that um in india there's like this whole like bollywood which i don't watch but it's like it's like a thing it's like uh, there's always going to be like this lover who's in love with this woman but there's going to be the entire world who's against their love but they will the win romance. anyway yeah, it's a romance, but I feel like that's romantic that the world will be in between. And I feel like that's so out there in India. It's just like it's kind of like cool to be rebellious and being with your lover. But in, 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 in other countries, especially Western countries, the idea of amalgamating the lovers into society is so hectic. It's just like we need to look like a perfectly inspiring couple. And I feel like that kind of pressure to give to yourself is already a lot. Thanks, yeah. mom and dad, for that kind of pressure. And now you're putting it on a relationship that you haven't even started, right? You haven't even known. So you're kind of putting pressure on something that's so fragile and light and easy and beautiful and romantic. And, you know, you've, you're already starting from a place of pressure. So yeah. that sense of pressure is felt all through the relationship. And I think it's very much out there. And I think that people just need to drop the expectations for a sec from themselves first and then go out there and navigate humans as what they are, rather than seeing them through a lens of what you want your ideal XYZ person to be. So I feel like I feel like the best relationships I've seen are some of the most amazingly weird couples. I love the word weird in people. I don't think it's yeah. a weird word. Oh, weird couples who have their weird rituals and they trust and they bicker a little yeah. bit and they fight for an ice cream and I love those cute couples yeah. and I've, I luckily have a few friends who just like totally not your Kim Kardashian Kanye West couple but they're awesome yeah. <laughs> you know like um, yeah and like friendship like I feel like we should look for friends like I, yeah. I think the first thing is friendship trust and third most important thing is that you're happy for them when they yes. do well because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of narcissists out there who just want their ideal partners to be successful, but not more than them so that they don't treat them lightly. But when you trust them enough to be like, you know what, even if like my girlfriend is like 
the bomb ass pilot in the world oh, or like you know whatever you know she i love her and i want her to be happy right and right. that's it yeah yeah no there's a sense of maybe that does go back to friendship where when when your partner or the person that you're investing in your time and your life with they are they are a part of you you are a part of them but more so you i think friendship is you hear it and it's cliche it's like oh well you you know should start as friends and to me that's not that's a big deal what friendship is is also a love relationship friendship is i care for you i'm there for you uh, as much as i care for myself in the sense that your well-being does matter so i think that is the best that is 100 foundation for sure like friendship is the key it's the soul and relationship yeah. is the body <laughs> yeah that's your Let's dog see. is so needy i love him or oh. her i don't know but it's like she's a her she's she's fun. amazing i see she's her photographs five month old puppy and ah. uh, she is just super cute and she's you know like super needy I love and, that. <laughs> you know, and it's like we're in this own power relationship. Like, we can't live without each other now. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I need a dog. I feel like I, I need a needy dog around me or a cat. <laughs> but like, there's no point of having animals that aren't needy. It's like, that's the beauty. So it's like, yeah, I, I definitely think that's something I'm missing out on in my life right now. But someday soon. You're so lucky to have it, though. It's I, amazing. I'm Dogs so are the best. Lucky. And I don't know what it is, but I love beautiful things. And I love, like, quirky things. And I love unusual things. And she's unusual and beautiful and quirky all in the same breath like she's just a unique one of a kind so i got lucky she i just kind of you I manifested think, it yeah okay <laughs> yeah, I manifested it. yeah. Really that's a cool. friendship and a lover that's what yeah that's right manifestation how does manifestation work what, what oh I... my god crazy it's crazy Zara, that's like i just get so shocked every single time manifestation works for me and it's like people say don't jinx it but it's like i'm telling it to you and it's on a podcast and it's going to be out there so i hope people start believing that this stuff really happens like if you really put your energy to something it will respond back to you it's not even like some cosmic hokey pokey new mexicans <laughs> you know like like some some voodoo thing but like it's 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 real it's quantum physics it's just like what you think of will show up to you and it's like for me recently it's just like with covid it's just like i need i needed green tea for example i was like i was craving green tea and it's not something i do a lot like i did that like a year ago or something in a party but like i was craving green tea and i was craving all these things that were good for me and i didn't even know they were like for covid it was just like i was doing this and it was like happening sure your body knows the sign that's not really manifestation but it started with this it just started with like the sense of like me getting into medicine and just like plant-based medicine i'm living in ubud which is like an aboriginal area in bali and they have like one of the most ancient knowledge of like plant-based medicine it's just like that whole thing opened up so many so many doors like it's just like my podcast is a little bit about it and it's like my my uh i met this woman who makes her own tea and she has an inspiring story and it's like there's this woman from mexico who just approached me and she was just like i want to give you a scholarship for this alternative life course which is so interesting it's like this is to break the matrix it's the most underground thing ever 
Uh, and then she was just like, do you, do you want to enroll? And I was like, I'm down. So it's like, and this all happened in like 10 days. Like it's like 10 days ago, I talked about this to my best friend. And then she was just like, dude, like you're really taking care of yourself. And it's amazing. And it's, it's, it's good. I'm sure something good is coming from this. I was like, yeah. And then, yeah, things just unfolded. And it has happened to me many times. And I think that manifestation is literally just putting your energy in the good place so that good will happen for you. You'll, it, you'll be able to see it. It's always been there for you, but it's just like, because we see ourselves from the lens of all the colonials is what I'll call it. We yeah. just see ourselves from all the people who try to divide us. And that's why we can never see the good stuff that's hanging right next to you. So, yeah. Do you have a way of manifesting? Is there something, is there a practice that you do that you find works for you? Is there something like, do you, do you focus on a particular thing or, or is it organic? How does your manifestation work? I do very different things. Like I listen to Nicholas Jar, who's one of my uh, favorite electronic music producers. And I take a walk and I think of like my dream, dream things. And it sounds very like childlike, but I've been doing this all my life. It's like, it's not even, again, this was before it was cool to manifestation, but it's like, I was literally a child and I had a little bit of an ADHD for a while. And it was kind of nice because I would just like escape into my manifestations. And I'll just be like, I want to be in Nepal. I want to be in Himalayas. I want to do this and I want to do that. So it's like just, seeing my life unfold it's one of the most rarest things by the way i don't come from a space where i knew that this is what i'll be doing like none of my family siblings like i'm the weirdest one i'm so far away from like everything that they would have ever anticipated from me so it's like all of this is so intentional though like everything happened as i wanted it to be and even stuff that did not eventually showed up as wow this was the purpose so i feel like yeah i think just dreaming just like lucid dreaming of like letting go of all the expectations of receiving or not but just like doing it for the heck of doing it like visualizing is what they call it in the meditation form so it's like yeah yeah so visualizing your exact thing and just like dropping the expectation if you're getting some kind of anxiety in your belly it's like oh you can't even think this big then it's a problem that it means that you're not ready for it so you need to prepare your anxiety to be at bay and like really just think about it and be happy just be happy already like don't wait for something great to happen to be happy just just do it you know and allow yourself when you're not able to do it as well like just allow you when you're unhappy lock yourself in a room and be unhappy cry cry it's normal you know like you don't have to be happy all the time either so i feel like yeah just living from a space of authenticity especially for yourself in a world yeah. of oversharing i feel like we've forgotten how to just be and show up for ourselves we've shown up for the world we've shown up for the parties for internet yeah. but we've stopped doing that for ourselves so yeah just writing you're doing the best thing with journaling i think journaling also helps me manifest so much more yeah. yeah, and then just wishing well. I think kindness also helps. Like, and not kindness again in a hashtag word, but just like just thinking about your mother or your friends and just wishing them the best of what they want, the freedom of leaving their fears away, the courage to follow their path without fears. And that yeah. also kind of like levels up your vibrations higher. You know, yeah. it's like it's so true. It's so true. Oh. You agree? <laughs> I think she does. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're so right, because I find you, so you just said something that is really, that, that really hits me. You said when you start to worry about something, or you become, you have anxiety, or you start to, it, it it's over, consumes you, and then you've completely taken yourself out of the moment. Yeah. So, uh, and you said something that you're not ready for, and I don't know if I agree with you, you're not ready for it, but 
I think there's a battle of fear and anxiety, that tension, that if it's new and you've never experienced it, if you allow the insecurities and you allow that, that ne negative energy to encroach, it'll take over. It's like a, a, a sea of a, of, a, a, of a wave that will just come in. And once that happens, it, 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 it takes you off course. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, the best way to like put it together will be like, it's kind of like a radio frequency. Like when you're basically tuning in a particular radio station, you need to match the frequency. And I feel like, let's say, for example, if you want a job in the UN being like, you know, at a very, like, I don't know, like a very powerful position where you define a lot of different things, for example, then to have that sense of responsibility, you need to level up your uh, vibration to match it or lower down, depending on how exhausting that job is. And then once that happens and then things just start showing up and there'll be small hints, like you will be, sh it'll, it'll show up and you'll be like, okay, this is, this is not a coincidence. Like I'm going to take this and then it'll be like a slow process. But I feel like what happens with anxiety is that we don't live from a place of present moment. We live from a place of past experience. Right. And that gets built up. And because it's built up, we are unable to see the present moment perfectly. And uh, that's what I mean with anxiety, because it comes from a space of fear. It doesn't come from a space of strength. So I feel right. like, yeah, strong, strong strength is important. I think courage and guts are important. No guts, no glory is something I totally believe in. Every single time life has paid off for what I've done, it has always been guts. Like it has always been like, how dare you think for yourself so yeah. well that you could do that? And I was like, yeah, I did it. So yeah, that does happen. No, it's true. And I think, you know, what's important is surrounding yourself with people that matter that feel that way and that embrace you and that can encourage and strengthen you. I remember, you know, a time where my heart was so covered over because it was like the world didn't care about who I am. My existence didn't matter. All that mattered was like what I could produce or what I could be. But me, my spirit, my soul, no one cared about that. And so I kind of lost it. And getting my soul back and myself and being okay with me, my good, my bad, my anxiety, my joy, my happiness, all of it is getting back to who I am as, a, as an essence of a spirit. And it's been a process. And I'll tell you what, aligning myself with people uh, that I can be myself with that are also on that same journey has been liberating. And I remember the first time you and I spoke, I cried. I was yeah, like, I you know, like you hit my soul. I'm like this beautiful person. I'm in a safe space where I can be me. And it was such a, a connecting experience. And, and those relationships and those connections I never could have had before because I was too covered. And so the journey of uncovering and the journey of finding myself has been messy, hard, difficult. I, you know, now I, I get angry still because I'm like, when I see something I don't like, I'm like, I don't like that. And I, you know, but whatever, that's not the point. The point is the connection of surrounding yourself with people that um, appreciate or enlighten or are a friend in a lot of ways. So I think that's really super crucial. And, 100%. I, you know, for me, I, you, I always say this, you're a ray of sunshine. And every time <laughs> I talk to you, you make my life just brighter and I Thank feel better you. about myself.
Thank you. But like, trust me, the eyes um, see kindness when they have it in it. So I'm definitely sure that the sunshine has always been there in you and you just able to see it because you connect with it. So that's what I call is manifestation. That's what I call is just like you need to have those set of eyes to see it. And yeah, it's all you, trust me. And I want to ask you on that note, a very personal question. And that is, can I ask you actually? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. your show, but I was like, yeah, okay. Um, I want to ask you if you're comfortable with your aloneness. Oh, am I comfortable with my aloneness? Yeah, be um, honest. <laughs> yeah, so, so for the first time, I am getting home. For the first time, I can say that I am. Um. I actually said that to myself this past week <laughs> wow. because I've, I've been going through a lot of growth lately. You know, I've been in a very difficult place of not knowing, trying, I'm at the crossroads trying to figure out what's next in my life. What do I really, really want? You know, you can't manifest something if you don't know what you want. And so I find knowing what you want is sometimes very difficult. Mm. Um, but I said to myself, you know, I actually don't mind being by myself. And that's the first time I think I've ever, I, I've always, since I was a child, I've been a, an only child. Mm -hmm. I've, I've liked myself. I've always liked myself. I find myself funny. I'm creative. I can get into things. I enjoy the world. I enjoy life. I can, I can, talk to myself. I am not a needy person, even though I'm highly social. I like myself. So I would say at this particular point, um, it's to say that I'm okay by myself is a real, is a big testament to growth because it's been a really hard two years since this pandemic has hit moving to a new country. Like my whole world has changed. So I, I'm learning to your point earlier, I have to give myself more credit. And I think replacing the negative talk, which is something my mom and I talk about, interestingly enough, with positive talk is really helpful. And it's something that's a newly developed skill and it's really paying off. It's really helping. I say things to myself like, you go girl, look at you, how are you? <laughs> I, this is fun, I'm enjoying myself, aren't I? I mean, I literally talk to myself and and it's really helpful. And it doesn't mean that I don't go through challenges. I have been dealing with, you know, we all deal with stuff, but it's just now the perspective I think of, well, I'm dealing with this or I'm still struggling with this or I'm working through this, but it doesn't have the same power over me of changing my life of gratitude, of waking up every day and embracing what the world has to offer. Right. That's beautiful. Well, I am so happy that you have gone so closer to finding uh, happiness and aloneness and, you know, and, 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 and I hope you go deeper understanding the, the very things that make you truly, truly happy beyond, 
you know, what our societies tell us, you know, of course, that's the hardest part, you know, like there's so many things that have been tell, told to us, our conditioning yeah. everywhere in the world, everywhere in the world. This is like the conditioning has been so thick that we never really allowed to see ourselves for who we are. They've always made us self-doubt as to like, that's not right. That's the right way to go about it. This is not the toothpaste you should be choosing. That's the one. It's not yellow, it's black. And I think that just, just being comfortable with aloneness and being okay with just like, just being okay you know yeah. with yourself is such a challenge right like it's, it's a, so easy but it's so hard too so hard and i'll tell you what so i am very understanding of what the world standards are probably because i grew up in america and i'm american and i grew up in major you know east coast cities and i'm very influenced it's my personality so part of my struggle has been wanting to be successful and, and viewed as a, a serious person in this world and at the same time being true to who I am. And it's, it's been a constant, I have yet to let that go. I'm still working on that and it's still following me. And I'll tell you what, I moved to London. I got my master's with distinction of whatever I do, I want to do it very well and I will work until it's done well. And that's the work ethic that I got from my family. And I said, immediately, I'm gonna go PhD. I'm gonna go all the way, get, become a PhD. Then I have the top billing, no one can question me. And that's a very worldly perspective. If I get this, then I'll have that. It's an external validation. Well, if I'm a PhD, no one can question me because I have a PhD, really? A PhD makes you a better person. A PhD makes you emotionally intelligent. A PhD makes you this elevated human being. No, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. So I've, I had to say to myself, do you really want a PhD or do you really want to do something else? What do you really want to do? So I've been at a crossroads and it's been really hard for me to say, you know what, maybe my path is keeping my podcast and going back and doing hair and being an artist. I miss that. There's something about when you are doing what you're doing and it, it feels good and, it, and, it, and it's, it's something you enjoy doing and you feel like you've put yourself into it. It's a very rewarding feeling. And I did hair for 15 years. I retired three years ago. So I'm not that far wow. removed. And and I've always supplemented it with a very serious career where I'm a, an executive because people are like, oh, you're a hairstylist. Oh, you do hair. Like that's, what's wrong with that? Are you kidding me? Like people look down on other people and their social standing based on their profession. I think that's horrible. I think that's ridiculous. And that's a very westernized Oh, you're a doctor or you're a lawyer, you're an executive, you're a, you're a better person, you're this, you're that. And that notion has been very pervasive over me because as a single person who has forged my own path, meaning I didn't marry a billionaire and become a billionaire philanthropist, uh, you know, it's something that has impacted me. So I'm now having to make a cognitive decision saying, Okay, using my cognitive reflexes, am I making a choice out of social pressure? Or what will make me happy? What will feed me? What will I be giving to the world that the world needs? And who will I like myself most as doing this next thing? 
So it's been a challenge, if I'm honest. Those social norms follow you, Mulcule, and, and they are nasty. They're liars. Mm, they totally are. But the um, I really think that it's the matrix, too. I feel like it's the same in India, you know, like, it's like, you'll always be compared by your with your cousins, <laughs> like, whoever's getting better grade, and it's like, a, it's, it's like a cycle, and like, it's kind of like, they don't want you to be happy completely, because the moment you're completely happy, you won't need them, and the moment you don't need them, then who the hell will buy McDonald's, you know, <laughs> so it's like, um, yeah, it's literally just that, it's just like, they want to put a hole in your self-trust, because that way, it's profitable, and it's a trillion dollar industry, like, there's so many things that we, we buy, which we know we don't need, and sugar industries out there there's so much so much stuff that's everything is like mutilated into buy this and you'll feel better about yourself but yeah. trust me i felt the most happy on a mountain in a monastery where i found a secret about myself which i'd never known and i was with like four monks and i got so happy and they were just looking at me it's like why the hell are you happy and i was like wait i need to get out and be happy <laughs> you know so it's like it's okay sometimes that other people are not happy for you it's okay sometimes to just you know, know that maybe your version of happiness could be completely unsubstantiated by objects and tangible things and other mm -hmm. accolades from outside world. But sometimes happiness does not have to be so complex, you know, like happiness is actually just actually never complex. Like it is literally just being aligned, you know, like like getting what you want yeah. because you wanted it. And I think that you, I'm, uh, since you called me a guru, I'm going to give you an unsolicited advice that you never asked for. <laughs> no, and it I is that I think that you're awesome and I think that you need to do everything. Like you're not someone who will ever be happy by doing just one thing. You're multiple number of things. And I know this is an American concept to do just one thing and be the best at it. Yeah. But trust me, I think a little bit more of thinking and you can combine traveling knowing other cultures because based on your, your 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 questions with me and all your questions that i've been reading you're interested so much in cultures and you mm -hmm. have a doctorate degree you love art i feel like you are a genius who's born with these activities like steve jobs knew calligraphy steve jobs knew computer he knew branding like it's not just one thing that the world needs i know you know maybe we're too much to fit in the box and that's actually a good thing well um, I, if i had to rename my podcast it'd be break the box Mm -hmm. You're so right. You're so right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius, Mulecule. You so are. Easy. Break the fucking box. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll tell you what. You're so right. And it, it takes, I'm learning, it takes courage. It takes kindness for ourselves and each other. And it just takes persistency as well. We just have to keep going. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you for know, sure. For the first time, I'm really... I'm. I always wonder, like, when does the excitement come, or when does the the new opportunity? And I know when I start to get excited, that I need to keep going in that direction. That's an indicator yeah. that that is good. Yeah, totally, totally. Like, also, it comes again the same thing as manifestation. I think if you're anxiety, you're not ready for it. Is what I mean is that things that are easy for you is not easy for someone else. For example, you've done hairstyling for three years. And now if I ask you to get me like this really crazy haircut, I think it'll be like something so easy for you. But if I do that to my friend, they will get so much anxiety. So <laughs> they're not born to do that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I feel like any kind of our body already has a mechanism 
which our societies are always tinting of what we truly want. Like, I feel like dropping the expectations, it sounds really hard, but trust me, it takes one life-threatening yeah. situation or being locked in a room or like, you know, to really know that this is it, you know? Like, I know it and it's easy for me. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be like, you know, some pseudoscience. You don't have to go all the way across the world to find out this monk. You can actually go just take a plane ticket to a particular destination and know what you want and get out of there. You don't have to take that journey. You know, like how the movies actually market it, yeah. just like how hard it was to do it. It's not It's not true. I don't think hard things are that sexy, you know? Sometimes easy things are really sexy, you know? Just like, wow, this was easy and it felt good. Let's move on. And I think that's life. It's an experience that unfolds. Like today you're a doctor, tomorrow you could be something else and maybe one day you'd be NASA who knows but it's always a journey do you think that's a sign that you're it, do you think easiness is a it's almost how do I say this is that is does that mean that you're doing the right thing if it falls into place or it's easy if you have to fight so hard is that an indicator that maybe that's a, a door that should be closed no I don't think so I don't think so that's not what I mean um I don't think so I don't think at all in fact I just think that Sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves and the love of getting things we love is just taken away. So I think that when I'm manifesting, I am not trying to put fear in that space. Like I try to keep my manifestational space and aura clean of all the external sources. That's why I don't reveal it until it's already out there. Like I got my first grant to travel 46 countries. I never even told my mother I was preparing for that for two years. I never trusted anyone. I was like, this is my space. I don't want to, I don't want this. I want this cleansed. I want this sacred. And I was like a nerd who was basically sitting for two years in his garage, just trying to dedicate how to make a project that's going to like change things, add value. And it took a while. It definitely took a while. Was I frustrated though? No, I actually enjoyed the process. I really did. And I think that we're all nerds like that. Like, especially people like you and me, who's just like sitting out there talking to someone halfway around the world on a podcast and you know we're nerds <laughs> so like and i'm happy being that i feel like we are here to create something that's cool and it's going to take a while if it was that easy then everyone would be doing it so i feel like that is not what i mean what i mean is if you enjoy it it's easy you know like and you keep doing it like if you'd want to right. do something for eight hours a day that's definitely something you love to do. So you don't have to do something so complex. Like if I'm not good at mathematics, it's okay. I don't have to do it. I'll do yeah. something I'm good at. I, I think there is a difference of, you know, learning something and becoming good at something and honing a craft mm -hmm. and growing um, and the dedication of perseverance in that manner. But, but that's different than not enjoying it, not liking it. I mean, totally. there, there's a reward, there's a, a tension of the struggle when you're learning something or it's new, but the reward of what you're getting in return at the same time supersedes that. 100%. So I, I, I think that that's that tension of it's not always easy, but it's, also, it's great at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. But I, also, it's, yeah, it's like muscle lifting too. Like when you lift muscles, it's not easy, but it's fun. It doesn't have to be a pain. It, I don't have to like tell people how hard my life is because I have to lift twenty kg weights. I just keep trying, you know, and I, yeah. I do it. And I feel good. And you know, the kick you get out of doing good is what I think I usually work on. That adrenaline kick that you get out of doing something that's good, that's good for the planet, that's that you kind of like exceeded your expectation. 
that's that's something you know like that takes all your victim ego away and you're just like you know what life's short live it up i know i wanted to ask you something uh, it's because you're in this sort of healing phase as well of um manifestation you know the trauma that we that gets impounded into our bodies is accumulated and if the atom or the molecule energy is a moves into different um formation Mm-hmm. That trauma that goes into your body, how do you release it to get it out? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I did this in Nepal. It changed my life. In fact, the, recently when I was saying that I actually almost was like crying with joy, it was literally just like figuring this out. And I was like, wow, I have nailed the matrix. Um, so your body does store tension in different parts and mine usually was in my gut and that was coming from a space of like being scared of where i come from like indian families is a lot of expectations and like it's 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 intense it's really intense and what i wanted to do in my life was so far from what they wanted me to do that i was always halfway there and i was never happy completely it was just holding me and i think that uh, um in the eastern culture especially in the buddhism they say that anything that you repress becomes a monster and i think that we keep repressing um the western when you said that people don't talk about emotions this is because the west kind of is very mechanical and they just don't realize that emotions have a soul of its own right and you can't just like put it in a box and if you do it in a box it will explode and we store such things and we never talk and we feel like something is wrong with us and everybody's kind of like having this plastic smile because that's how they're happy but no one's happy and everybody's saying that we know what the right way to go about it but no one knows and everybody's getting their followers now more than ever. So I feel like that's why I say lock yourself in a room, do your body scan, like just like see from your start of the brain, through the start of your head, like and go down slowly and take breaths, like as much breath because breath breathing kind of activates you, and then just like see and then you'll know that you're 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 storing tension on your on your like shoulders. or your gut or and you'll have weird pains coming in and sometimes it gets really hard too because you're just like you know when you realize that that's where the pain is it really pains it kind of like answers back and it's real it's not like some again some cosmic thing it's like you will feel real pain that's been stored and then you sit totally. with it you sit with it and you have tea with it and you talk talk to it you're just like what happened and then oh, the pain will reveal pain. itself yeah oh, okay. your pain is have tea with it have some time with it don't just ignore it you know we all so you're saying tension uh, yeah well, let me just follow you you're saying i find the pain sit sit and and i and, and really pay attention inward to your body i and find it isolate it and then talk to the pain that you're feeling in your body yeah 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 totally totally talk to it like a friend like like trust me it's kind of like it's there and it needs healing it needs healing more than you needed to so we 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 are taught to hate our pain but it's like that pain needs a release too it's trapped it doesn't want to be there it want to be out in the universe and it's just right. like just just spend time with it and probably tune it with love like you know like it's it's kind of weird but you can just like touch your belly if that's where your pain is and be like it's okay you know you'll be all right and oh. trust me You become an amazing teddy bear of joy, you know, when you're like and that's the goal, isn't it? Yes. That is so simple yet, you know, I never would have thought of that. 
Yeah, I think that my Nepal trips really, really, really got me through. Like, I can't believe I was in Nepal just before this. Like, I feel like this whole pandemic was just like, can you believe I was sitting in Nepal just before the pandemic in February 28th? And I was about to take another trip to Bangkok in like the first of Feb uh, first of March. And I was like telling her, I was like, I feel like there's going to be a World War Three. And then she's like, uh, okay, what are you going to do? I'm like, I just gonna, I, I'm either going to move to Bali or in Nepal. I don't want to be in India because I feel like India is in the center position. It's not going to be nice. And guess what? 11th of March, uh, the pandemic happens. And then I'm stuck here for two years. And I'm like so grateful that it's Bali because like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. And yeah, I'm learning. And I was so prepared with my therapy and my monastery visits and like just just learning to hug my pain and hug myself. And yeah, yeah. how will you love yourself if you can't love your pain? I know. That's so wise. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to say I'm not super sorry. I don't like I don't feel that bad for you being stuck in bali <laughs> oh no i'm not sorry at all i love bali <laughs> it's the best I mean, thing that ever happened it's amazing well i can't wait for i mean the world is starting to open up now but travel wise mm -hmm. it's it's you know it's it's definitely a slow i think opening door but i can't wait to travel i can't wait to, to, to like to dive into the eastern philosophy you as my guru <laughs> are going to show me all the spots. I mean, we've said this before, and I just can't wait because I think it's it's going to be transformative in a very sort of healing and cleansing and empowering way that yeah. only you can you can only do there because you can't, it's not possible in the Western world. It's just not. Yeah, the Western world can get a little dry. It has its own quirks. I, I won't say that it's just like, like, I would love to be in New York again, even though I think I hate that city, but I feel like I want to be there again just to see where I've grown as a person, just right. to experiment with myself. But I feel like if you haven't seen this side of the world, I would love to show you around and I'll probably write you this extended curated itinerary. Uh, with all the like I would spend my time like a day to write you an entire itinerary of things to do for you in the east <laughs> and trust me you would not go back as the same Zara you'll be a new person and that would be very exciting I can't wait to meet that girl because she's gonna be amazing I mean mm -hmm. it's Boss gonna bitch. be like well hello <laughs> well I'm so glad I got to catch up with you I am um, you know I re-editing your podcast today just made me want to check in and, and you know miss you and say hello and see how everything is doing you know life flies by so quickly and i just love you i adore you and i'm so happy you're in my life thank you so much zara that is so sweet and i love you back and i'm so happy to have this completely random podcast <laughs> session which i don't know will be aired or not but i had super fun with so <laughs> yeah too. and congrats on your podcast please send me the link when it comes out when is it thank dropping? you it's in January 2022, wow. and uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's a very new territory. I might hit you up with some questions to know from your journey, but I'm super excited. I'm happy for you, my friend, and I can't wait for all the good things that are happening in this new, uh, it's like a new generation we're walking towards, you know, if anything I... else. I'm excited beyond, I can't even tell you how excited I am to walk. Like, uh, we're all, I don't know, I'm a better person. I'm cleansed. I, I can't wait to make change. And um, I don't want to change the world, but a little bit of dent would be nice. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. Well, take care, my friend. Let's stay in touch. Let's talk, let's talk sooner rather than later next time. A hundred percent. Bye, Bill Kuehl. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye, honey. Bye. For sure. Bye, baby. Bye. How do I turn this off? I don't know. I don't know.
Thank you, Mulkul, for that fantastic conversation. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Unbiased Label Podcast, focused on all things fashion and culture at the intersection of industry and academia. I'm your host, Zara Karutz. Please subscribe, comment, and engage in our conversation with your thoughts. Until next time, stay well. Oh, thank you.